magic social services wand and fix the problem of gun violence among particularly unmarried black poor men, which is primarily where you have this problem in Escambia County and across the nation, okay? Um, how do you fix that? Well, as Hassan Hills mentioned, one of the things, one of the, one of the key things is that you're talking about human beings, okay? And human beings do things for reasons. And I know that sounds really boring and lame and obvious, but that's a crucial factor to understand is that people do things for reasons. And what you're trying to do, ultimately, is you're trying to take people who are born into America and you're trying to get them to be productive, law-abiding, you know, create more than they destroy citizens, which is what most people are. But you're trying to raise them from the time they're born to the time that they're going to be, you know, 15 or 16, because that's, unfortunately, that's kind of the now-it's-too-late-to-fix-it problem. You've either done it right or you haven't. There are some examples where a person might go wrong after that age, and there are some examples where a person might, you know, flip and go right after that age if they're going the other way. But it's very rare. And so what you're really talking about is raising citizens. And so if you've got, for example, these kids who grow up in poverty— they often grow up, not always, but often grow up in broken homes. They grow up in an environment where there's very little hope, where everybody around them is poor, where many of their friends are engaged in illicit behavior because their friends all come from the same bad circumstances. And there's really, in their mind, no chance. There's no chance. You know, what's, what's the point? Why would I bother doing well at school? What is, why is school even valuable? Why, why would I bother trying to get a job and, you know, make $10 an hour when, you know, I can go do other things and I can make a whole lot more money than that as long as I can avoid getting caught. Well, yeah, I know some people get caught and I know some people get shot and I know my friends are dying, but, you know, what's my alternative? That's, if you lived in that environment, it's very easy to understand why people are largely a product of their environment, okay? And so one of the things he says is we need to get successful black men who have come out of that background in front of these kids when they're young enough for that example to make a difference, right? I mean, that's common sense because you have to give them some kind of hope that there's some kind of alternative. And if you don't think that it's a pretty despondent kind of situation, listen to this testimony. Hello, my name is Tashara Nettles. I grew up right here in the Brownsville community. Um, I left here when I was 17 years old. Um, I went to college. I, I got degreed. Um, I went into the military, and then I came back home um, to repurpose and get redegreed again so that I could go into mental health to help my community here. Um, all of that has happened in about two decades. I grew up right here on Green Street, and in those two decades, I have not seen one change in my community. Most of the guys I grew up with are dead or in jail. Can you, just for a second, you know, if you're relatively affluent, relatively safe, your kids, you're middle class, you've got a job, you do well, you're saving for your retirement, you're working on your debt, you know, you're listening to the Pensacola Morning News and you're watching your TV every night. Try to put yourself in the situation where, like, she got out, got successful because of a variety of reasons and a variety of things that happened to her. But she comes back 20 years and it looks exactly the same to her. And it does to them too, who lived there and didn't get out. 
And then what does that do to you in terms of your ability to even believe that anything might matter in the sort of way that civilized decisions and behavior would matter? Now, none of this excuses bad behavior. That's not the point of what I'm saying. I'm just saying you have to, for a minute, step into that world and try to understand it a little bit. Because otherwise what you do is, you know, I love the sheriff. I agree with the sheriff about a lot of things. But one of the questions that came up was the question of, you know, whether more patrols are going to solve the problem. And one person who talked, he never said his last name, but his name was Charlie. There are not very many crimes that police actually prevent. There majority of crimes police come in after and investigate and prosecute and whatever. So, you know, cops are, police are not able to prevent gun violence. Um, increasing your police presence in communities does not prevent gun violence. It is proven many, many times that pr- increasing police presence does not prevent gun violence. Community outreach and giving money to people. The government, the city government allocating funds and creating groups to be in those communities and talk to people is the only way. So that's his perspective. I share a lot of that perspective. Chip Simmons, of course, he's the sheriff. He's the one organizing this roundtable. I obviously am, am one that if we, um, if we increase our patrols and we take the bad guys and the guns off the street, those particular people will not be involved in gun violence for, for a period of time. So I, I, while I, I agree with much of what, what you said, I think that there's got to be a multi-pronged approach to all these things. And there's truth in both of those. I mean, certainly more patrols tends to deter crime. More patrols tends to reassure law-abiding citizens, which are the majority, of course, that, you know, if something is being done, it tends to make them feel safer in communities beleaguered by crime and violence, of course. But Charlie is on to something in this that if you have a community where most of the people have a reason to behave, they have investments that... They have something to lose if they get caught or if they get hurt doing crime. And those communities don't need to have hourly patrols by the cops. Right? I mean, if you live in a middle-class neighborhood, it's a noteworthy event when the cops come through. Because you're like, that's weird. (laughs) What's going on? Right? Because they don't patrol actively your neighborhood. Because they don't need to. Because... And it's not because people are afraid of committing crimes in those neighborhoods. Although, I'm sure to some degree they are. It's because people in those neighborhoods aren't criminals. And I don't say that as they're not in this category. I say that as in they want to behave because they have something to gain by behaving and something to lose by misbehaving. And they want to do well because they've internalized virtues, they've internalized civilized behaviors, whatever you want to call it. Where Charlie is right, and I think Chip is not as right in this particular case— is that what we need to do is get people who don't want to go shoot each other. <laughs> you know, I know that's, again, that sounds really basic, but if you can raise people to give them discipline, delayed gratification, the ability to be insulted and to lose and to not feel the need to go to violence to resolve it, a belief that if they behave, then they will have a better future, that there is a future waiting for them on the basis of that good behavior. If you raise citizens then you don't have to have extra cop patrols because you have good people. And good people don't need the police presence to deter them from doing bad things. They're internally self-governing. 
And that's the goal. So when you talk about like these, you know, community center programs to give kids something to do and keep them uh, active so they're not engaged in crime. Yes. But just keeping them out of criminal behavior isn't enough. What you need is mentoring. What you need is a surrogate of some kind for that missing parent. What you need is sports to teach them, again, discipline, teamwork, the ability to lose and not fight over it. What you need is art programs. What you need is training for job skills so that they can believe they have an economic future. There's not like one thing to solve this. It's all of this stuff. And, of course, the law enforcement agents are going to see the problem through the lens of what they're capable of doing, which is law enforcement. And pastors are going to see this problem through the lens of what they're capable of doing, which is spiritual formation and evangelism. And, you know, social workers are going to see this through the problem of poverty and economic disadvantage and what can government programs do to help. And they're all true. That's all right. But the core goal has to be these kids are being born and not becoming citizens. How can we get them to become citizens? And that is a complicated thing. But I love that what they came away with from this was, look, we're going to pick a zone. We're going to pick a neighborhood and we're just going to go in there, the 15 or 20 of us that are on this uh, task force or this roundtable or whatever, and we're just going to go in there and we're going to paint, we're going to fix, we're going to clean, we're going to provide services, we're going to inform people, we're going to talk with them, find out what's going on. We're going to adopt a neighborhood and we're going to do whatever we can to fix that neighborhood. Now, that still doesn't solve the 15 to 16 year problem of forming citizens, but that is far better than just nothing. (laughs) And that's far better than just, you know, studying the problem and talking about the problem. So do I think what they're going to do is going to make a big dent? Um, I don't know if it'll make a big dent, but it might make some difference. And some difference is always what you're looking for. But again, these are massive social, structural, formational processes that are broken, more broken in certain places with certain people. And fixing those is the only real long-term solution. 522, and again, it is not simple, and there's not just one process that needs fixing. And just throwing money at it won't fix it. you got to throw money smartly at it, and time, and people, and all of the above. 522 on News Radio 92.3, I'm Andrew McKay. Gentlemen, this is your first hop. The jets you are flying against are smaller, faster, and more maneuverable just like the enemy mix. Clock is ticking, and as of now, we are keeping score. Good morning, 525 here on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. It's the Pensacola Morning News. David Wayne is in the newsroom with our headlines. David? The family of uh, the cinematographer Helena Hutchins uh, has released a statement after uh, Alec Baldwin was charged with two counts of involuntary manslaughter. Uh, The statement says, quote, it's a comfort to the family that in New Mexico, no one is above the law. President Biden today hosting a bipartisan group of mayors at the White House. They'll be discussing various issues. One of those issues, the migrant crisis at the southern border. Earlier this week, uh, New York City Mayor Eric Adams called that surge a national problem and said it requires a 50-state strategy. Today's meeting, uh, just two weeks after Biden made his first visit to the southern border uh, to assess the crisis and police in Colorado today investigating a disturbing report of rat poison inside of a Taco Bell burrito. 
The uh, Arapahoe County Sheriff's Office there in Colorado says apparently a customer got into an argument with an employee at this Taco Bell. They were given a free extra burrito uh-huh. after that argument. Uh, after eating that burrito, apparently became violently ill, was taken to the hospital, and uh, hospital staff now suspect there was rat poison oh, put in the burrito. Wow. Uh, we, we live in a world where we, where we trust other people for thousands of things every single day. I mean, it's it, it's a little scary, <laughs> you know, to think about all the ways in which you just trust other people are going to behave. David, thanks so much for the update. Um, I, I always think about it when I'm driving. Like, you're driving down a road like Old Palafox, you know, um, Highway 95A, and, uh, you, you know, it's 45 miles an hour north, 45 miles an hour south. That means your closure rate is 90 miles an hour with no median and a, a little, what, foot-wide double yellow line between you and death. <laughs> and you're, you're just trusting that the dozens of cars you're going to pass at 90 miles an hour closure also don't want to die today. And also are capable of keeping their car in their lane. And most of the time that works. The vast majority of the time that works. And then every once in a while it doesn't. But just think about the level. It's, it's, it's a little scary to think about. But the level of trust that we place in our fellow man to not poison the burrito. <laughs> you know, to keep the car in the lane. All of these things. It's it's. Frankly, it's amazing, and it, but most of the time it works. Why? Back to the theme of before, because generally speaking, most people are citizens, and I don't mean they're not illegal immigrants. I mean, you know, they have internalized the principles of good behavior and or when they want to veer in the wrong direction, they fear consequences enough and have enough to lose that the threat of consequences makes them behave better, and that system works almost all of the time. It's kind of amazing. 437-1620, somebody texted me in here and says, for many of the young males without a strong, consistent male figure, gangs become their family where they find unity and safety, and I would add acceptance and leadership and a sense of place and, and meaning. All Yes, all of that. As a form, I mean, you know, the gang is a cult, right? I mean, you get that. Like, people who find cults, same thing. They find meaning and place and acceptance and love and significance, and that's why people fall for it, because those are powerful things that every human being needs. And if you don't get them in the proper places, you'll find a place to get them in the wrong places. As a former middle school teacher uh, here, some he says uh, too many males are dead from AIDS. Violence is not always uh, guns and drugs is also an issue. Tough problems that need more than money spent. Kids feel abandoned except gang life. Got to break the mold. And do-gooder folks living million-dollar homes have no clue. That's right. You know, and sometimes, you know, people with the best of intentions who don't have enough knowledge or experience. I, listen, I, I can't go. I could be a big Okay, but I, I can't go lecture the kids at Warrington Middle on why, how they should make their lives better. It, they would laugh at me. <laughs> I mean, it would be stupid of me to try because it, how would that possibly penetrate? I've got no relevant experience that would make them, I mean, maybe I get lucky. Maybe I'm a dynamic and entertaining enough speaker, right? But you need somebody that's been there and done that. And that's what, you know, one of the speakers we talked about a minute ago does. 529 on News Radio 92.3. Um, meanwhile, other news. In France, over a million people marched across the country against raising the retirement age. The, uh, the French have a very, um, uh, what's the word I want? Uh, laziness is the, <laughs> the core of the French system is working fewer hours, uh, fewer days for fewer years is kind of the core of their system. So the proposal that Macron has made is to raise the retirement age. Are you ready? What would you guess? If I told you, you know, because in, in America, uh, most 
the basic retirement age is 65, right? That's the base. Now, some people retire earlier. They could good good packages. Some people can't retire at that point. But um, if I asked you to guess, you know, what is it? Well, right now it's 62, and he's proposing to raise it to 64. <gasps> <laughs> and they staged, like, protests and strikes over that proposal to keep their pension system viable, which it's not right now. And so we'll see if they can pull it off, but they'll be in trouble if they don't. Fox News. I'm Chris Foster. The actor Alec Baldwin's attorney says they will fight and beat involuntary manslaughter charges for cinematographer Helena Hutchins' shooting death in 2021. The attorney essentially blaming others on the set of the low-budget movie Rust for not checking the gun. Prosecutors argue that not only was Alec Baldwin responsible for checking the gun before using it during a scene rehearsal, but that as a producer, he also had a wider responsibility for safety on the set. Fox's Jonathan Hunt. A Supreme Court investigation into the leak of its abortion decision last year comes up empty. Dozens of interviews and cyber forensics have so far, based on the preponderance of evidence, not determined who the individual was to leak a draft opinion of the Supreme Court's Dobbs ruling that overturned Roe v. Wade. Fox's Jared Halpern in Washington. The decision was leaked the month before it was announced. America's listening to Fox News. Good morning, 531. It's News Radio 92.3 right now. 51 degrees, partly cloudy skies here in Pensacola. Scambia County leaders are moving forward with a plan to spend $4.1 million that HUD has awarded to address homelessness and housing needs in our area. Yet During yesterday's discussion, county commissioners reviewed a plan that called for 75% of that money to be used to build a low-barrier homeless shelter and 7% that would go towards affordable rental housing. For me, I'm not going to vote for 75% uh, for the congregate shelter. I mean, it can be close to that number, but the number one issue I have in my district is affordable housing. Following Com- Commissioner Lumen May's comments, the board opted to take 5% of the shelter funds and apply that towards affordable rental housing. Once Escambia County staff completes the home ARP allocation plan at the end of next month. There will be a two-week public comment period before it's submitted for HUD approval. A 29-year-old Pensacola man was taken to the hospital with life-threatening injuries yesterday after a motorcycle crash on South Blue Angel Parkway. Florida Highway Patrol says the motorcycle was headed south and on the shoulder of the road. An SUV apparently turning into a parking lot. The motorcycle hit the right side of that vehicle. The rider was taken to the hospital with critical injuries. Escambia Fire Rescue Captain Joel Richardson has been named the Instructor of the Year by the Florida Fire Chiefs Association. Richardson has been with ECFR since October of 2009 and serves as the Training and Safety Captain. Also recognized for that award was the Florida Rapid Intervention Training Operations Group. If you voted by mail during the 2022 general election and you want to do it again in 2024, you're going to have to renew your request. Escambia Supervisor of Elections David Stafford says new legislation signed into law requires voters to submit new vote-by-mail requests for each election cycle. Another recent change requires that voters include your Florida driver's license number, ID card number, and the last four of your social security number when you submit that request. You can submit the request online at escambiavotes.gov slash vote-by-mail. Uh, or you can do that by calling 850-595-3900. 
Wednesday's deadly accident that caused shutdowns on the Highway 90 bridge is starting to raise some new safety concerns. According to the Florida Highway Patrol, seven accidents have occurred on the causeway since October. Two of those were fatal. Ongoing construction has led to nearly daily delays and heightened concern as drivers jockey for position. Well, you have a temporary configuration in place, and unfortunately it is necessary. One, we want to make sure that the traffic can continue to still use US-90 through that county, Um, but also we have a construction project we have to finish. We need to make sure that that bridge is, is complete so we have a safe structure that crosses Simpson River. FDOT spokesman Ian Satter tells Channel 3 that they are planning to implement a safety plan for construction zones, and they'll be reviewing those weekly. 534 News Radio 92.3. We're going to be seeing a cooler day out there today with temperatures warming up near 63 degrees. Overnight tonight, temperatures dropping near 49. Clouds will build in as you go through the overnight hours and showers and thunderstorms possible for Saturday morning. 60% chance of rain throughout the day. High on Saturday near 59 degrees. Saturday night, temperatures dropping near 54 and rain chance increases for Sunday. 90% chance of showers and thunderstorms. High near 68. Stay connected to Channel 3 News First Warning Weather Team. Download the WEAR-TV weather app. This is Brooke Richardson from the First Warning Weather Center. Thank you very much, Brooke. 535, it's 51, partly cloudy in Pensacola, 55 in Gulf Breeze, 45 in Milton. Our next news at 6, breaking news anytime. I'm David Wayne, News Radio 92.3. Tune in to News Radio Pensacola on the FM dial at 92.3 and 95.3. Listen on the AM dial at 1620. Stream us online at newsradio923.com or download the News Radio Pensacola app. You can also listen to podcasts of all of our local shows on demand and get news and traffic alerts. Listen to local talk shows in the morning and afternoon drive and where Pensacola's home for Brian Kilmeade. News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. Remember when washing machines were made in America, were solidly built and actually got your clothes clean? They aren't a thing of the past. They are Speed Queen and they are available at Top Appliance. Speed Queen washer and dryers combine durability and technology into the best washers and dryers in the world. Speed Queen will change the way you think about washing machines. They're built to last longer and deliver exceptional wash results. Unlike many other washers and dryers with plastic parts, Speed Queen uses commercial grade steel and porcelain components designed to give you at least 25 years of reliable, trouble-free operation. That's why they come with lifetime warranties, the best warranties in the business. See store for warranty details. Speed Queen washers and dryers are built to work and built to last. If you want durability, innovation, and perfectly done laundry the first time, then you want Speed Queen. See these great Speed Queen washers and dryers for yourself at Top Appliance on Highway 90 in Milton, just east of Stewart Street. As a small business owner, what keeps you up at night? Just knowing if your email got hacked or your phone system went down, it could cost you thousands in revenue as well as your reputation. That's where Data Revolution comes in with their unique position to take care of you and your business IT support, phone systems, cybersecurity, and more. Secure it and sleep better at night by going to datarevs.com. Winner of the 2021 Best of the Bay for IT support, datarevs.com. 
Here are the News Radio 92.3 AM 1620 contest rules. You can win one prize per household per contest in any 30-day period, unless specified by individual contest rules. All prizes on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620 are non-transferable, non-redeemable for cash, or exchangeable for any other prize. News Radio 92.3 AM 1620 prizes must be redeemed within a 30-day period of winning. For a complete list of rules, visit NewsRadio92.3.com. Tune in to News Radio Pensacola on the FM dial at 92.3 and 95.3. Listen on the AM dial at 1620. Morning 538 here on News Radio 923, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. It's the Pensacola Morning News. And uh, yesterday we had a chance to talk to Wes Morano. He is the county administrator for Escambia County prior to the Escambia County Commission meeting that took place yesterday morning. Wes, welcome back to the show, sir. Hey, Andrew. It's great to be here. Always good to have you. Always good to have you. Okay, I, I have to ask you the first question because I have been asked several times and I just want to make sure I get to it. Uh, uh, Detroit Boulevard, when is it going to be reopened? I will have to uh, check on that and see. Uh, I know they've been working pretty hard. I think they should be getting pretty close, but I will have to actually uh, get back with you on that one. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I thought I had let you know in advance, and it's my fault. I failed to do that, so I apologize. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I would have asked you only if I thought I had let you know in advance I wanted it because um, it's impossible to track everything in the county for any one person. Uh, second, it is. Yeah, it, it is. And, and especially now that you're not just the roads guy. Like I know probably years ago you would have known because you were the roads guy. Now you got to track everything, which is a lot to track. Um, the, um, of course, Commissioner Bergash was very active in advocating to push from the PNJ for public notices to the Escambia Sun Press. The law now allows you to go entirely digital and not spend any money on print if you put it at the county's website. Has there been discussion about planning to do that, as far as you know? Yeah, we've had some discussions about it. Uh, it's kind of all-encompassing. Like the school board would participate with us, and we, we may would be responsible to post some of their stuff. So we're looking into that and seeing really how efficient and how feasible that would be. Uh, from my standpoint, I certainly don't want to be responsible uh, for another agency's organization's uh, posting of their public notices. But it's something we are talking about and looking at to see if we can uh, – to see if it is a viable solution for us okay. uh, that, that won't cause us too much uh, extra work. Yeah, and I think if I recall correctly that, like, the city of Milton was having this conversation, and in order they can't host it on their own site. It has to be hosted by the county. So if, for example, city of Pensacola, although Mayor Reeves yesterday said that he doesn't want to move away from uh, active publication of these things in print, so it's not probably a, an issue, but still, that it would have to be at the county site, and so that would you know mean you'd have to be providing that service somehow or other so all right i appreciate that just you know keep us updated if any of that changes one of the things um on the agenda today and it just caught me by surprise because it seemed like such a big item is you guys are going to talk about the possibility of a next phase expansion unless i read it wrong and i know sometimes i do um a next phase expansion of the landfill an enormous expansion like you know we're talking what two million dollars i think only for the design and would this be on the other side of Beulah Road? Is that how I read this? Yeah, that's right. It would be on the east side of Beulah Road. Uh, we already own the property there. And the item that's on today is for design and permitting of the site. 
and it's going to be a pretty a pretty involved project. We're actually going to build a new road, uh, take Beulah Road and kind of divert it around, and the existing Beulah Road will become our entrance road into the into the new landfill. Really? But uh, it's about a it's about a four year process from beginning of design to the end of construction. Uh, we're I think, which is pretty aggressive. We have about uh, about six to eight years left where we're at. So we're looking to to bring this uh, to fruition and get it done and get it accomplished. And it'll add, you know, 40, 50 years by the time we get to building all the cells out uh, in the new expansion area. So it's it's a much needed project. Uh, We're we're tracking pretty well on the timeline uh, to get it accomplished. And uh, so that's that's kind of what that's about. Okay, so uh, just I want to recap to make sure I get it. The idea is to build a what I would call a straighter Bueller Road that's going to go north and connect with. Uh, it's going it, to would the new road just connect with the rest of Bueller before you get to like the Timber Creek kind of area, or would it go all the way to Muskogee? But then you're going to uh, go ahead. Yeah, it'll, it'll circle back in. And, okay, and we'll you know we'll be working in conjunction with FDOT. Uh, through this area as well, you know, it's going to tie into to the Kingsfield ex- expansion and the interchange. I mean, all of this uh, is going to work kind of in conjunction. And so we are working with FDOT uh, to let them review our plans and get their input. And they've been they've been pretty good about working with us in, on this project. So uh, Chris Phillips, our traffic engineer, has been heavily involved in this, and, and Don Sites, our solid waste uh, director and engineer, uh, have been working working closely together with FDOT. So uh, it's, it's a good project, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing it come to fruition. And so it's this would basically, in the time frame that's left for the current landfill, about half of the time that's left, it would take to construct the new one, which, as you said, would extend our lifespan for about four to five decades. And frankly, I mean, I think if you're a resident, you have to like the idea that it's basically at the same site, you know, because it's not creating a new landfill somewhere else, you know, close to residences or anything like that. So interesting. No, and, and I assume the plan would be that you're going to fund this through, I mean, would you fund this through general revenue? Would you fund this through a bond? Like what's the construction no, scope going to be? This is uh this is solid waste reserves. Okay. So we have a, we have a pretty healthy reserve uh, right now in solid waste and that's where this funding would come from. Okay, so you kind of been saving for this plan to begin with. Have a ballpark swag number on the price tag for the new landfill, aside from the two million for the design. Yeah, I think that uh, that swag is somewhere around uh, fifteen to twenty million. Fifteen to twenty. Okay, and what is our reserve at right now? It's at forty-five. Oh, okay, so we're good. <laughs> yeah, we're good. No, no, we're good, and, and we're gonna. <laughs> You know, yeah, we'll, it'll cost some of our reserve, but we're going to build that reserve back. It'll, it'll build back fairly quickly, so we're not concerned about that. Okay, well, interesting. Wow, that's a, I mean, th- this is the kind of stuff government's supposed to do well, and it sounds like it's being done well, so I, I appreciate that. Great information. Um, we also have uh, some things to um, – uh, next week we got the point-in-time count coming for – it's not just counting all the homeless people in our community, but it is also you're intending to map out the homeless camps. Is that right? Yeah, so we've been working pretty hard uh, with the continuum of care uh, and, and uh, my in-house staff and uh, some folks uh, put a little working group together. Allison Patton from city councils involved and uh, Travis Tompkins, our emergency manager, and myself and Chandra Smiley's involved. And, and we just we put a, a working group together and we're 
getting more involved, I guess you, you could say, with the continuum of care to try to get a more accurate count. And uh, so we've been doing some training this week, and we've got some other initiatives coming. But, but you know, last year, I think if you remember the discussion, when we looked at the point-in-time count, the numbers, they seemed extremely low. Yeah. And so I, one of the initiatives that we're bringing forward is just to try and get more involved uh, and get a better, more accurate count because the, the better, more accurate count we have, uh, it opens us up to being able to apply for more grant dollars to provide services and, and try to move the needle a little bit, if you will, uh, on homelessness. And, and it's been a very much talked about topic as of late. And a matter of fact, I have a, a, a meeting this afternoon with Sheriff Simmons um, to talk about some issues related to homelessness. And um, and we're going to be looking at models in different different areas of the state. Uh, Pinellas County has a model that we're, we're going to send folks down to take a look at that model. But we're looking to really move the needle on this topic, and it will take a lot of work. It's a heavy lift, and, uh, and it's not going to be anything that's going to be overnight. It's going to be it's going to be a grind uh, to be able to move that needle. But, but I feel like we have to, and so you know, that's the reason we kind of put the little working group together and uh, just trying to drive a little, be a little more engaged and, and get, some, get some things accomplished. No, I, I, and I agree with the idea that, you know, you have to know where you are before you can know how to get to where you want to be, so that makes sense. There's also a thing on here for an Englewood Community Center. This would, by my assessment, this is now the, the second community center project that we're working on, the one in District 4 for Commissioner Bender at the old church site there, and this one is also like a, an old church site. Am, am I reading this right? Yeah, it is. It, it's a it is a current church, and um, you know this is something that's kind of been been worked and looked at uh, for for a few years now. And there was a thought to rebuild the Inglewood Boys and Girls Club, and then this uh, site, which is literally just a couple of blocks uh, down the road, uh, became available. And um, we did we've done a lot of due diligence uh, to make sure that the amenities that that commissioner may wants to provide there will fit and can be constructed and the cost of the renovation and, and such and we feel like it, we could accomplish that with the budget that's available which is uh, all together is about four point something million i think but the, this initial step is just to make an offer uh and you know i don't i don't know how it will turn out right. but just getting the approval to make the offer and then we'll We'll see how it goes, and we'll move from there. Yeah, it's a $1.7 million offer to the Englewood Baptist Church uh, there on West Scott Street. So as you say, we'll kind of see how this turns out. If the county approves it, the board approves it, and then if they accept the offer. Uh, you also have a Maple Oak stormwater project. We had talked before about the one um, off of, like, in the kind of the Burgess area near the school, Hancock and all of that area. This is another one you guys are looking at uh, to study to see what to do. But I want to end on a, a good note, which is that, not only does Escambia County have the firefighter of the year, Lieutenant Nick Radia, but we have the volunteer firefighter of the year, Assistant uh, ECFR Chief uh, Yoshimi Kor, right? Absolutely, absolutely. We're very, very honored uh, and grateful uh, for the work that, that those men do and, and all, all the fire. But it, it, it really speaks highly, I think, of our, of our fire division and department to have the professional firefighter of the year and the volunteer firefighter of the year. Uh, I think it just shows the quality of, of the folks that we have there in fire and uh, that we are are moving it, tracking in the right direction. And very proud of those guys. They very much deserve honors uh, for both of them. 
and uh, so I just that's just great news. It is is really good news, especially for a department that, of course, had a recent loss, which was very painful. That's uh, some little bit of good news or a significant amount of good news in the process. And we're picking up two new EMS trucks to to outfit. So, I mean, you know, a lot of good things happening at the meeting this morning. Uh, the uh, board will meet this morning, of course, as they typically do on a Thursday for the morning meeting. And Wes Moreno is the Scambia County Administrator. As always, Wes, thanks for the time, man. I appreciate it. And all the information. Very good information. All right. Yes, sir. Thank you, Andy. Always. 549 here on News Radio 923. A couple of notes that took place since then. One is actually Scambia County Fire Rescue got another award. Captain Joel Richardson named the 2022 Instructor of the Year by the Florida Fire Chiefs Association. So, um, wow, <laughs> kind of a clean sweep or so it seems of the awards uh, uh, Florida statewide for Scambia County Fire Rescue, which is, of course, I mean, we have a fantastic uh, organization here. The other one is I had chatted with Wes briefly or I texted back and forth with him and he got back to me on the Detroit Boulevard thing. He said mid-April is when that is expected to be back open. So uh, I know that's not tomorrow, but there is some kind of a time frame involved there, which shouldn't be all that surprising. 550 on News Radio 92.3. When I say BMW, Porsche, Mercedes-Benz, Genesis, Audi, Jaguar, Lexus, these are great cars. Of course, they cost a little bit extra to get. They shouldn't have to cost you a mint in order to maintain them, and they don't because you don't have to take them to the dealership. You can take them to Bobby Lycus Auto Service right here on Davis Highway. They work on those cars all the time, so that saves you the money versus the dealership, the time, especially if it's in Mobile and you got to drive across the water and trust that maybe I-10 is going to work this time. As you know, that's always a dicey proposition. If you've got a diesel engine, you think you might have to take those to the dealership. You don't. Bobby Likas works on those all the time. Their website is carclinicservice.com, which is the philosophy of the shop. It's like a, a healthcare clinic for your car. So you take it there for the small, minor routine maintenance and inspection and make sure that they catch the things before they become the big things. That's the goal. Carfax rated them a top-rated service center in 2021. Reviews of 4.5 or above on average. That's Bobby Likas Auto Service right here on Davis Highway. Are you a business owner stressing about the high cost of health care plans or wondering how you can compete in today's labor market? ProHealth is here to help. ProHealth's medical membership program is just $45 per month per employee. That's just 28 cents an hour for full-time employees. This program covers unlimited primary care and teledoc visits with zero copay and many more benefits. No appointment is ever necessary at ProHealth. Beat the high cost of health care with ProHealth's medical membership. Not convinced? Think about how much a sick employee is going to cost you. Hi guys, if you find yourself in a divorce or you know that one is coming, you're likely stressed about your kids, your finances, and what your future is going to look like when the divorce is over. You're gonna need help with this, and I'm here to do that. Whatever you're facing, I can help you get through it. I specialize in helping guys just like you get through difficult divorces. I'm Autumn Blackledge, and trust me, I can help you through this. Just look me up on social media or on the web. I'm Autumn Blackledge, and I'm here to help. Pensacola, Florida. Dependable traffic on the fives with local news at the top and bottom of each hour on News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. Hey, I think this guy's a couple cans short of a six pack. You're close. Give them to me now. Best pickup line ever. 553 on News Radio 92.3. Informative. Local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. Candy's out today. I've got uh, Gracie here sitting in with me. So that means Gracie's working all the radio shifts. That's She's doing all the radio you could possibly do over the last 24 it's hours. It's going to be a fun Friday. Yeah, no, it's definitely because she's Bobby's producer in the afternoon for Pensacola right now. And then she does her work on Cat Country after that. And then she gets to get up in the morning with no sleep. 
and work the show and then work the show again tonight for Bobby. So yep. happy days. Yeah, it's going to be fun. David Wayne is in the newsroom with our headlines. David? An Idaho judge has now extended that gag order issued earlier this month that barred law enforcement officials and victims' families from revealing information about the murders of those four University of Idaho students and the arrest of the accused killer. Yesterday, the judge extended that order for the duration of those court proceedings. Researchers say more light here on Earth is now making it harder to see the stars in the sky. Uh, That's because brightness from artificial lighting has been increasing with technology and light bulbs for the last 12 years. And uh, researchers say that means a child that was born in an area where 250 stars were visible would probably only see about 100 stars in the same area 18 years later. And Norwegian archaeologists have now recovered the world's oldest dated runestone. They say it was from about 2,000 years ago. According to a CNN report, they found this uh, runestone while investigating a burial ground in eastern Norway that's going to be on uh, display at the Cultural History Museum in Oslo. All right. Be honest. How long in your professional life have you been waiting simply to say on air the phrase Norwegian archaeologist? Oh, my whole career. I know. It's like finally you can check that box off of the uh, catchphrase bingo card of really, your that radio was, life. That was the last thing I was waiting on. So if, you know, I'm ready to retire at this point. <laughs> well, that was can it. you wait till at least after the show? Hey. Yeah, Yeah, probably. Thank you for your consideration. I appreciate it. (laughs) David, thanks for the update. Yeah, the business of light pollution uh, is is true. Look, if you live in a place that's got more electricity and more light, generally good things doesn't mean that it comes with no consequence whatsoever. I mean, we're talking about this comet that's going to come, this green comet that you're going to maybe barely be able to see with your eyes right on the 1st of the 2nd of February. Binoculars will help. Telescope will obviously help quite a bit. And the recommendation is get away from light. I heard uh, Joe Newbauer talking about this last night on Channel 3 about, you know, get to the beach if you can or get to north of I-10 where there's, you know, a lot fewer people. And uh, that's that will help. It obviously does. So but because there's more light, which, again, light is good. You know, (laughs) light is something that we like. That's a beneficial thing. 555 on News Radio 92.3. Oh, this was just I don't know. I, I We have a high military community, so I pay a little bit extra attention to military-related news. And I came across uh, two things yesterday that I thought you might find interesting. One, as you know, the military is in the process of completely eradicating everything that ever came even anywhere close to touching the Confederacy in terms of names on things. And now the VA, uh, the Department of Veteran Affairs, has changed the name of the medical center in Richmond, which had been the, um, let's see, it was the Hunter Holmes McGuire VA Medical Center previously. Dr. Hunter Holmes McGuire was the uh, honoree there. It's now just the Richmond, Virginia Medical Center, and that's because McGuire, uh, Dr. Hunter Holmes McGuire, was a Civil War uh, physician who treated Stonewall Jackson after the First Battle of Manassas, amputated Jackson's arm in an attempt to save his life, but he was also a crucial factor in developing conventions for treating medical personnel as non-combatants, a key principle of just war theory these days, by the way, and protocols that were later used in the Geneva Convention, those, and the bedrock principle of the American Red Cross and other medical service organizations that once somebody is injured and no longer a combatant, you treat them as a civilian. Unfortunately, he also opposed voting rights for black Americans his whole life, opposed the release from slavery. Uh, He considered them an inferior race, opinions which he expressed in a book that he wrote in his later years. And so there you go. We have scrubbed him off, even though um, I would say that his racism, though wrong, is a minor component of his professional life, maybe no component at all of his professional life. But his contribution 
to warfare, the saving of lives, the medical conventions and the ethics of war are enormous. But the way we do it these days is, you know, 95% good, 5% bad, you're out. And so we've scrubbed him away from history. It's uh, it's really sad. You can't, you know, it's not enough to just contextualize somebody and say, no, in this part of their life, they were completely wrong. Whereas this is the professional contribution that they made, which was absolutely amazing and crucial. We just not going to teach any of that whatsoever. 437-1620, If you're working on a home repair project, Pensacola Hardware, they are the experts. And not just the experts. I mean, they've got that institutional memory because they have been around for more than 170 years helping people just like you build, rebuild, remodel Pensacola. But also because they have it. You never have to go there and say, hey, I need this thing. Oh, we'll order it for you. No, they have it. Because literally, if they don't have it, you don't need it. Because they know what people are going to need. And if you think you need something, they don't have it. That's 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 the way of saying you don't really need that. You have a better way to solve that problem. Now, that's true whether you're working on a little home repair, changing out an outlet or something like that, or whether you're you know building a house and you need supplies, or you need guidance, or you need to know how to solve a problem. They can do that. All of that. Pensacola Hardware right downtown at 20 East Gregory Street, helping people build, rebuild, and remodel Pensacola for a long time. 558 here on News Radio 92.3. Oh, uh, some counties in Oregon might, secede is not quite the right way to put this, but they might join Idaho. (laughs) There's actually, and by the way, I lived in Oregon for a while. This makes perfect sense to me because Oregon is a weird blend of everything east of, like, I don't know, there's kind of like this desert area that's two-thirds of the state to the east. Those folks are more like Idaho. They really are. There's only like 400,000 people in that part of the state. They would fit with Idaho much better, and they could abandon the People's Republic of Oregon to the the Westers. (laughs) And so there's actually several counties that have voted on this. Now, whether Idaho will allow them to join and Oregon will allow them to leave, these things are both unlikely to happen. But there is a move to make greater Idaho. Listen on air at 92.3, 95.3, and AM 1620. News Radio 92.3, WNRP.